0: Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin
1: Jennings.
2: Well, 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 friends, we are back together again for part two of our 100th episode celebration. At Launch University, we talk about a couple principles that every launcher should have in his toolkit, right? And that is you want to think abundantly, you want to plan intentionally, you want to execute consistently, and celebrate frequently. And right now at Launch University, we have the privilege of doing that fourth one. The guys, we are all, the whole team behind the scenes, we are pumped because this is a milestone. (laughs) To be quite frank, we didn't know if it would happen. We didn't know if it, and and let let me be honest, there are a couple of times when our schedules with our full-time jobs made this day a challenge. But You all gave us feedback. You reached out to us. We got emails and text messages and reviews that said, please do not stop doing this. And um, that means a lot to each of us. I can say for myself that um, it's an honor to be a part of this team and to sit down with the people who give us their time and their wisdom To help us all grow Um, If you're listening to this podcast for a while You know that I am known for sneaking in a selfish question That I've been personally wrestling with When I have moments with these individuals And today will not disappoint you So we've gathered together a bunch of highlights We can't say it's really the best of Because that's subjective, right? And there's so many great leaders who've shared with us So many great launchers who've shared with us That we don't know what best is But we do know some things that stood out to us as individuals And so we've kind of put that together as a group and today you're going to hear part two of that Um, if you didn't check out part one i recommend it a lot of great wisdom on that one from incredible leaders like dennis manola leaders like jeff schinnerbarger brian and shannon miles jan smith sid mashburn so you want to go back and check that out but today's episode features no i'm gonna run through this list with you billy Bowie of elevate matt moore from atlanta united the soccer club in atlanta aaron eddie from so worth loving Ford Fry from the Ford Fry Restaurant Group, who will soon be coming to Nashville, and I'm looking forward to welcoming Ford Fry to Nashville. Chris Carneal and Matthew Keller from Booster, Tim Elmore from Growing Leaders. These are all exceptional people who haven't just launched, right? Because I think so. We you know we we made sure the first one had a lot of inspiration for you, and made you give you something to think about about taking the leap. But this episode. It's a lot more about building. I mean, there's some great ideas in here about creating community. Great ideas in this particular episode about scaling and and, and creating and creating that culture and getting people engaged in growing and developing other leaders and developing your own leadership as you kind of get beyond the idea phase of what you're creating. So, let me tell you, the couple of these episodes. Billy Bowie, back on episode 44, he talked about launching customer experiences and dreaming big. Matt Moore talked about launching a sports team, but building community around that. And then Aaron said, hey, well, you can take it online with social media. She kind of unpacked how we do that. Uh, Ford Fry talked about learning how to repeat success. I mean, anyone who checks out Ford Fry, you know that, every one of Ford Fry's restaurants appears to be killing it. And and, that's, and there's a reason for that. And he talks about how he's been repeating success. And then Chris Carneal and Matthew Keller talk about creating the culture you want. And then Tim Elmore closes this episode about timeless leadership principles in a changing world. As we start to have Generation Z into the workforce, millennials are the largest uh, generation are the biggest generation now in the workforce, but we still have Generation X and boomers that might still be working. How do we all come together? Are there some timeless ideas we can apply as leaders to engage a variety of generations and people in leadership as we grow our ideas? So, you have some great things ahead of you, and I'm not going to hold you back from getting there, but I do want to emphasize a couple things. For you we have a fantastic free tool that's available to you that we give away to anyone that really serves as a foundation behind what we believe at launch university and that is something we call the launch loop it's a fantastic ebook that we created really almost almost a year or so plus ago where we take and put our own spin on the design thinking process it's an ebook called the launch loop and it really is it's almost a foundational piece to what we believe here at Launch University. And that is, there is a great way to launch, right? There's a way to remove some of the barriers that will get in your way. And that is based off having a process that doesn't just start with your idea. It starts with empathizing with the customer, learning who you're trying to serve, figuring out what, what their needs are, and, and getting out of just the, the creativity of what you want to do to make sure it's useful for someone else. And if you're able to do that and willing to do that, what that does is, is it gives you a different frame of mind as you're going through the phases of developing your idea, your product, your business, your organization. So if you want this thing, we call the launch loop, and it has five steps that are guaranteed to get your ideas off the ground Every time, then you should do us a favor. Just text the word "launchpad." That's right. The text the word "launchpad," all one word, to three four five three four five, and you can have this delivered to you immediately on your cell phone. That's launchpad to three four five three four five, and have this delivered to you immediately. We think this could be the game changer for you and your idea. So. Check that out when you get a second. We'd love to have you do that and just kind of welcome you to the community with a free gift. Also, we are gearing up for a big community Q&A episode. We have had people who said, hey, I wish I could get access to Jeff's thinking when it comes to nonprofit leadership. Ooh, I wish I could get access to Shane and his experience when it comes to, you know, leading a team and, and, and thinking through how do you empower people when you're trying new things obviously those who don't know uh, Shane played a big part in leading the launch of the Chick-fil-a one app and so David launched the innovation practice at Chick-fil-a with a team of people and so these are great guys to have access to and we want to share that by you submitting your question and I'll tell you how if you hang tough to the end of the episode so with that being said let's jump in with our very first guest of this episode, and that's Mr. Billy Bowie.
3: I love ideas, but close behind that is we just love to listen to what people are talking about. So if you follow us and you see a post, click that little like button. That's cool. We love it. Likes make us feel good and, and, and friendly and all that. But just put a comment there. Hey, have you thought about this? Or Hey come by our office, come hang with us. We, we would love um, to hear more about what you're doing as well because and that's not just me saying, oh, we' supposed to say that at the end of a podcast. it's <laughs> it's not that. It's really we we really, hey, if you got an insider you're like, hey, I took a look at your website, something you guys are working on. What if you did this? You want to get me fired up? Come in with a what if statement. We'll have a three-hour conversation about what if might be. So at Elevate Team on all social media stuff. If you want to follow me at BillyBooey or BillyBooey.com, as I mentioned, book's coming out. and. Um, Tell about with that. So, process of writing now, trying to decide on publisher. We're we're in the early stages, so I don't know. But I realize when I say it's coming out, it kind of has to happen. So, so, that's it. speaking that's, into that's existence. Right, speaking into existence. So, but and also,
4: uh, I really want to encourage you to come. I hope this is okay to come for a tour here. So you'd mentioned that, but how do they sign up for that? Yeah.
3: So if you would write an email to hello at elevateliveevents.com that goes directly to our business development team and then our marketing team as well and they'll set you up um, and trust me when you come there is no sideways sales pitch there's no cost it's just come take a tour we love people just to come and hang out and hey, cool. If it, we work we work together, great. Or if it's just to be an encouragement to you, that's great as well. And so we would love, you know, one of our goals at Elevate is to have 40 guests per month that join us at the office. That's one of our metrics, kind of our leading indicators when it comes to that is like how many people from the outside of our office actually join us and just come take a tour and, and hang out. So.
4: Wow. Well, Billy, man, I'm such a huge fan and uh, I've known you before you were doing this so congrats it's just so fun and exciting and inspiring to see what you're doing
3: yeah I love it well if I can leave the launchers out there with a final thought don't be afraid to dream one of my favorite ideas is I love when people lock the doors and then tell me I can't get in I live my life that way. And if you're listening, do that. Go for it. Challenge yourself. Lock your own door of your house and have to break into your own house. Well, maybe not do that. But find a way where you can lock the doors. And how do I get in? Because you can. And if you're listening and you're just getting started, um, believe in talent, believe in people, and go for it. Because for me, I draw my inspiration in the fact that every day I get to get up and chase after something I'm passionate about. And you mix passion with talent. And you've got a little market insight. I would say just go for it. So tell me your story. If you're out there and uh, you're launching something, if if I can help you at all, man, I, I would love to
1: uh, love to be a part. And then Atlanta United, you know, whispers of Atlanta's gonna get an MLS team, and Arthur Blank, who also owned the Falcons, uh, was was gonna be the owner of it. And so you know, our uh, our CMO at the time came to me and said, hey. You know, we've got about 10 days until this happens. So we need to launch a website and we need to launch uh, all the social properties for it and work with the MLS on that. So that was MLS Atlanta 2017. It wasn't Atlanta United yet. We launched all of that. It went really well and we started to see the passion for it. You know, we did, um, you know, we did a launch party. It was a big deal and it was, we did it in Atlanta. And you kind of saw something, you know, a buzz, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember we, we did it at Ventana's downtown Atlanta. And, you know, we did this live stream. And the mayor was there, Arthur Blank, commissioner, and, you know, some VIPs. And then you kind of look and there was all these people banging drums, chanting. And I was like, <laughs> this, this is we're different. Onto something. Like, this is different. Yeah, it's different. And, and, and then I remember leaving Ventana's. I went to Stats with a couple of people to, you know, kind of celebrate. Uh, just you know, at the end, wow. We you know let's let's let's, let's go um, let's go celebrate for a second. And up on the rooftop, everyone was wearing our scarves, wearing shirts. We had sold out of all that, and 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 you just see there was a there was a vibe there. And I th- I was like, I, these don't look like the same people I see at Falcons games, you know, or, or Hawks games when I go. And so I knew something was there. And then for the next you know about year, um, we just kind of maintained it, right? Because you know, you weren't launching until 2017. And so we still had some time. And uh, so we kind of maintained it. When news happened, we put it on the website. We'd, you know, we'd put it on social, you know, we'd, we'd engage where, when necessary with people that were excited about it. Um, and then as we got closer to the launch, when it was gonna be Atlanta United, you're gonna have colors, you're gonna have a logo. Um, we started having, you know, we had a president, we had a technical director, you know, started getting staff, ticket staff. Um, then I really, you know, I remember we launched Atlanta United and I, the, just the amount of retweets, the amount of likes, the shares, the buzz out there. And I said, you know, we, we've got something here. Matt, there's something there that I, I think is important for
5: launchers for all of us is that not only did you understand your customer and you're learning your customers, you yeah. go, but you you kept engaging them along the way. So Definitely. I think about you really didn't have a product to launch for, let's say, a year and a half, two years, but you brought them along the journey and you kept them engaged. And I think it's really important. Sometimes when we're launching, we are launching, we wait until the launch versus getting them, bringing them along the way and creating some of that energy.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it's funny if you, if you know, from the digital space that I'm in, it was, you know, it, there was some lulls in there when, you know, you, you had zero news to share, but you could really understand your, you start understanding the culture, understanding your client by, even if it was national puppy day was trending, right? What could you do, you know, that has to do with Atlanta, has to do with soccer, has to do with this new team, put it out there. Or I remember we did star Wars day. We put like a lightsaber, Photoshop in Carlos book and angry And we saw how people reacted to that. Right. And so, you know, um, and then I'll tell you, you know, we did president's day and we started putting the scarf on like old president's photo and people us for it. They hated it. Like that's stupid. That is, you know, and we're like, Oh, okay. That culture doesn't like stuff like that. You know, a little cheesy stuff. They like a little, you know, a little less cheesy. So you're exactly right. It was You were
5: prototyping along the way. We were, we were testing
1: a lot of, you know, how our culture was going to be, how our fan base reacted to things. Um, when we could and and I think that did help us when we did have news when we did have a team when we did have players we knew how the consumer was going to react. we knew how to you know what to give them
4: I guess if I could just back up and say what can you tell us your approach to social media is how do you view it Um, Mm -hmm. as you work with other organizations what are some of the lessons that you share with them okay here's how you do social media and here's how you don't do social media yeah
6: that's great well I think the biggest thing that a lot of people that own their own businesses think about with social media I think they they start acting as a megaphone instead of engaging Mm. and I think the biggest thing that you can do if you truly believe in what you've created figure out how to connect it to the people that want to engage and actually engage with them was so worth loving and how it got started, it was very story based. I mean, we told people stories and within that, people wanted to spread the message about what we believe in. And that's self worth and self love and self care. So I think if companies can really hone in on what is, what are the few things that I want my community to believe in and then how can I actively engage with them instead of be a loud megaphone and Mm -hmm. just Talk at them, talk with them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the.
4: And how do you do that now? So it's, it's easy in the the early days of So Worth Loving. So yeah. there's 50, 100 hundred T-shirts going out, <laughs> and that's seventy one thousand and more. So how do you how do you not get in the megaphone? Because sometimes you have to say yeah. we just launched a new yeah look retail store. Or so where's the balance there?
6: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. There's definitely a there is a balance between putting out informational things for your community, and then also putting out something that's for them, that they can take for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to gauge it by how much you, I mean, you know, if we post, you know, two to five times a day, I think you have to be consistent with your messaging more than you are informational stuff. And then you just intertwine it in there. Mm But you just have to observe and and make sure that you're not posting too much.
4: Right. Now let's talk about that. Let's take a specific social media channel like Instagram. Mm
6: -hmm.
4: You guys are fantastic on Instagram. You're helping us at Gwinnett Church with Instagram. So what what are best practices?
6: Yeah, I think being very consistent. Okay. I think if you think that you, it's just like within internally, when you build a team, it's like vision, 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 vision. Think of that on social media. It's vision, 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 and then some information every now and then, but vision, vision, vision. <laughs> <laughs> and then finding things to celebrate with the people that are following along your journey as you evolve into a business or um, you know a nonprofit or whatever it may be. We have found pieces that we, like metrics that we celebrate. So whenever we hit 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 followers, we always want to celebrate that because they got us there. We didn't get us there. They got us so there.
4: So how, how have you done that?
6: So oh, we've done so many fun things. So sometimes we'll do like a sale or like one time we did 40% off for 40 minutes. And that was insane. <laughs> we uh, we sold so much that we actually sold the amount that we sell in a, in a month in one day in 40 minutes. but. What we've also done, when we hit 50,000 followers, we said, we're gonna give something for free to all 50,000 of you. And we're gonna launch it and we built up the hype, we've built it up for like two weeks. Like once we hit 50,000 followers, this is what's gonna happen, something. You just don't know what it is until the day of, and so.
4: Did you know what it was?
6: No,
0: no, no. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Not yet. That,
6: <laughs> we did it. We were like, we're gonna give something for free away, but we don't know what it <laughs> is yet. And so, what we did was, people got like a a phone background, a desktop background that had a a really fun message that said, um, "Bad vibes can't hold me down." Uh, we did a poster, a free poster, and a and a coupon code, and they had twenty four hours to get it. And, and it was so fun. Like it was like, oh my gosh. Like So now every time we have a milestone, we celebrate and we're getting more creative and trying to figure out, you know, as a business, how to do it financially where there's, you know, not a lot of overhead, but that we can still engage and like just give something for our, for our family, for being so supportive. I think you cannot thank the people that are following you enough. Like I don't think you can thank them enough. That's fantastic.
7: I want to go back in time and talk about the transition to becoming an entrepreneur, launching out on your own. Uh, You went to culinary school in New England. You worked in some really upscale restaurants. You were part of the Ritz Carlton organization for a while. You worked for a company that did high-end prepared foods, and you said you opened JCT back around 07. What led you to deciding that you wanted to launch out on your own and and talk about that transition because we've got folks that are wrestling with that kind of decision in their lives right now.
8: Yeah, I mean, I remember it pretty clearly. You know, as any chef and, you know, who knows? I mean, most maybe there's other professions out there where everyone has a strong desire to have their own place, but very few actually are, are able to get there or um, decide to, uh, you know, take that step outside to get there. And JCT was one where I knew I was ready, Uh, you know, deep down I wanted to have a a partner and I kept saying that to my family, I'm like, I really want a partner. My family, you know, had been in business, you know, in different degrees as well and they're like challenging that thought of uh, a partner and they're like, why do you need a partner? And I tried to make up some reason why I needed a partner and I never won that argument. Um, so finally, uh, my brother-in-law was really the one that says, "Hey, listen, I'll I'll hold your hand. <laughs> I'll hold your hand while you walk out that door, you know, and, and let let's let's do this." And he so so I, you know pretty much went out on a limb and just did it. And um, and he lives in another. He uh, lives in Houston, so I, I was able to kind of do and make all the decisions that I needed to make. And you know, once once I did it, it was like, okay, this is. Not that difficult. I understand, you know, what the community wants. I feel like I understand what that neighborhood wanted, what the city wanted, and what made sense. So um, that was that. Once that happened, then it just, then I just started having a passion for people, and and that just in turn turns into a passion of entrepreneurialism and trying to train them into being entrepreneurs as well.
7: So, do you have any regrets at this point uh, about starting out and launching? Yeah,
8: none whatsoever. None whatsoever. I mean, I I don't know. I don't think I could have it any other way. That's great. I really think that that strongly about it. So think
7: back. You're getting going. Um, What were you most
8: excited about and what were you most worried about? You know, it's an interesting question because I was probably most excited about – Everything, all aspects of it, to see a project that I, you know, kind of concepted in my mind that I'm passionate about, and the, you know, whether using local farmers and cooking over burning wood and and creating uh, an experience is 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 really overall what was the most exciting part and most gratifying part as watching it kind of come full circle and. Um, the, but the crazy thing is that what I was most Nervous about was nothing, and that's that that was what I didn't know. Didn't scare me looking back upon it. I should have been nervous, I should have been scared uh, about everything, all aspects of what was going on. Going into a crazy location, a location that was deemed a um, uh, more of a cursed location, people had said. Yeah,
7: talk about that because it's in an area of Atlanta that is really hot
8: now, but it was not quite hot when you launched JCT. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it was getting there. I think right when I, I think there was a couple restaurants that were there before me that pioneered it a little bit during a slower time. But for me, I think I got in at the right time, but I, I was in the back at that point in time. So, that's why everyone. It was. It was. You. You have to go into the center and drive around the back. So everyone said that that was a just not a great location. But no real visibility from the street. No real visibility. But what. What. What kind of grabbed me was that the restaurant that had opened before us was very busy from day one. They just over time just could not execute in certain for whatever reasons and which that told me because they were busy, people knew that spot. So I, I didn't let that bother me at all. So you're in this first restaurant, JCT,
7: about five years. Yeah. Is that right? Before yeah. you uh, launched your second restaurant. What's happening during that time? I want to come back to what's happened since you opened the second, but what talk about the, the days when it's just this one one uh, restaurant?
8: I think uh, the first year was definitely me diving into all aspects uh, from the, uh, you know, of course, from the chef aspects to the business side aspects to the payroll to, I mean, every single aspect, I felt like I needed to know all aspects and none of them were difficult. And then over time, as I, as I kind of grew into it, We just slowly started uh, farming out and and empowering others to kind of take over, you know, certain tasks, um, as well as uh, another chef who uh, was my right hand man, who's still with us and, you know, doing a fantastic job. And he, uh, you know, me kind of come year three or four, I was taking more of a bird's eye view, but was around every day, probably six days a week. You know, just watching and and just not sitting around when when, I mean, I guess it's just that owner mentality as far as maintaining and managing and and uh, and growing and just looking at every little aspect from the light levels to the volume of the music to the cleanliness to I mean, you name it. So, I think over the you know that time it was really important that I just kind of started the beginning of. Building some sort of a culture and philosophy, and and into um, how we do things and what we really stand for. So it's fair to say that in those early
7: days, there was very little going on in the restaurant that you didn't, at least from time to time, get involved with. Yeah, my every hand, function. Yeah,
8: my I man. I was touching every single thing, answering almost every question. And um, and, you, and you do that in part, I guess, out of
7: necessity. Yeah. 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 And then. It's, things begin to turn and what I hear you saying is then you're able to bring in people you start to replicate yourself and you bring in other people that can take on leadership and you share that
8: yeah uh, uh, you know my passion was more from to, to kind of create a chef driven company where uh, a lot of the decisions a lot of the focal people a lot of the people who were out in the, f- the forefront were the chefs and so a buddy of mine Drew Beline, uh was working in town for with another a couple other restaurants super high-end restaurants where and he had he had kind of pulled me aside you know at some point you know was interested in starting his own restaurant and wanted advice on certain things and so when an opportunity came about I, I immediately thought of him I said well why don't we why don't, why don't I this could be the beginning here I can let's bring him in let's make him you know he can invest a little bit of money he can be a partner in this things and he'll own it and that's really what happened with 246 and he did. He owned it, and um, it's a fantastic restaurant. And you know, since then, he still oversees that restaurant, but he's also overseeing every other restaurant as well. So it's been really a fun, fun ride with him. Talk a little about the timeline for growing
7: your business after you open two, four, six, your second restaurant, because it's been
8: pretty crazy lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's where. I brought in there was a there was one of my old bosses from years ago back from Colorado. Uh, I worked for him in Colorado. I worked for him in Santa Barbara, and I was remembering him. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I really wish we really need a COO. We really need someone. If we if we're ramping up this growth, we need to put all this infrastructure in place so that we can grow. And uh, you know, oddly enough, he popped up on LinkedIn and and. Uh, and he had like an address like a, a couple miles from my house and I thought that was just the, the craziest thing so we met up at 246 and he uh you know he's back in town he was uh, finishing up his consulting thing he was doing so he's come on and you know we just sat there and chatted for a couple hours about what he's like Ford what do you want to build and I told him what I wanted to build and um my passion for people and training people and teaching them how to how to become restaurant operators and restaurant owners and chefs and he's like, okay. And then that was that, you know, we, we, um, we've started building the infrastructure. The infrastructure kind of was, was, was the vehicle that allowed us to, so we were never stretched by any means. So right now we're kind of growing into our uh, infrastructure, infrastructure, if that makes sense.
5: Talk a little bit about life balance. How do you maintain it?
0: My wife can answer this question better. I don't like the word balance. I don't feel like any successful anybody is balanced in the sense. When we say the word balance, we picture the scale and it's Color even. And it's fifty and fifty. And I mean, name your hero. They were disproportionately in rhythm over time, or they had uh, areas where they were saying this this season of whatever it is, marriage, family, parenting, startup. It's going to feel unbalanced for a season, but because they were intentional and they had a perspective and they had friends and community, they got through it in a way that uh, that made sense. So. If your life is balanced, you're probably not entrepreneurial, but it's okay to be out of balance for a season as long as you have the right people well, speaking Well, I think into that's it. a
5: great point. It's almost like a, a fulcrum that moves, right? It's yep. like yep. if you swing. think it's exactly, and it has to swing over. Um, you just need to make sure that it eventually swings back. So there may be some intentionality or focus you need yep. to put in the business right now, and then it needs to swing back. Otherwise, you will get out of balance. Here's a
0: very practical thing that I'm doing, and I do it more every year. I start with a two-year calendar and I prioritize the most important things first on the calendar. Here's family vacation. Here's where my kids' school start. Here's their sport. So if I had the priority first, then it's tough to get so far out of balance that it harms my priorities because I've scheduled my time around what matters most.
5: All right, so um, I'm going to shift a little bit. There are probably listeners out there that are actually working for an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and they're maybe frustrated or they don't know exactly what to do I'm curious from most are
0: frustrated I'm sure most are frustrated. (laughs) so
5: Matt talk to us a little bit about how do you serve well how do you serve an entrepreneur or maybe your boss at work but give us some tips or your thoughts on how do you best set you know the guy that you're following up for success
9: I think you have to take a different perspective and I am serving him so if there's conflict, I need to figure out well, why it's there and what it's coming from. You know, hearing how he, he started and really scaled Booshathon before I was ever on board, I look at that, I analyze that, I figure out best practices, and then I try to create systems that can reproduce the success, but on a larger scale with more people. So you That's mentioned, good. you know, you got an idea, what do you do? And he goes, go sell it. And I absolutely agree. But I, I then go, most people can't just do that. So and their instinct may not be right. They may not have the value proposition they think they have, and so I put a step before that, and I say, well, to make that work across this larger scale for his visions with a large organization, let's create systems of you know practical step. You think you got a great idea, kill it. Do everything you can: research, market analysis, actually test it with some phone calls, like pre-selling the concept, and try to kill it by saying this isn't going to work. And then if you can't kill it, then you, actually you, you might you, have something there You that, might be honest on to yeah, something. Yeah. That's
5: great. Well, one of the things, and, and I am totally going to shift right here because I, I want to make sure before we get off this podcast, we touch on this because I think it's one of the things you're great at. Even from the early days, I feel like the culture that you've created at Boosterthon is bar none. I mean, there are so many great organizations that could learn from what you guys have created. Talk to us a little bit about, even in the early days, how do yeah. you set up a great culture in whatever business or let's say whatever department you're leading, how do you do that?
0: Shane, that was a nice softball pitch right there. Culture (laughs) is what I love
5: the most. It's what I'm
0: most passionate about. The first few years, just by blessing and by instinct, I didn't realize how important culture was, but it was, it happened to be, kind of by accident, something I prioritized. I always loved working with incredible people, friends, new team members I met. I just thought This is fun. And I want an environment that's fun. I want to create an environment. Are you kidding? I get to create an environment that I get to be part of. Well, I want it to be something that's engaging for me and pushes me and challenges me and encourages me, but it's also tons of fun and memorable. And since I don't have a boss as an entrepreneur, I just get to kind of do it. And I made many mistakes, but building a culture that I wanted to work in, that was fueling for me, that was good for my marriage, good for me as a father, good for my friends, that... um, in many ways accelerated me as a leader was what I want to be part of, and I got lucky to attract people that want to be part of that as well. Our culture is very distinct and different, and it's not for everybody, but for those that do want to grow as leaders and change the world and work in a for-profit company that's on mission, working for a mission, and serving others at a rapid, fun, crazy pace of growth with opportunity, (laughs) uh, then then this fits us. And this is the culture I always want to be part of, so I've never thought more about culture than I do now, but it's always important, even from day one, from I have an idea, even if it's not a service, even if it's a type of idea you think, this might just be me. Well, there's still a culture that is right. your organization, and your clients can feel it. The number one word used to describe our program is your team. Even if it's a digital product that we have, they're still somehow interacting with some person. And the culture that we have attracts that team member and then empowers them right, to make get, a difference. All right, let's get
5: a little tactical here. So, Matt, jump in. What is it specifically that you're doing or you feel like you're doing, steps you're taking, practices that you've got in place that create the desired culture that you want?
9: I, and this is as a recipient and as somebody who has been strategically part of growing that culture. If you don't care about your people, if you see them as cogs to be used, it's never going to happen. You can do all the fun stuff in the world, but if they don't feel that they can trust you and that you care about them. What's
5: tan- give me something tangible that you guys do at yep. Boosterthon to make sure people feel that they're cared for.
0: Uh, we celebrate people. I think celebration's a big, a big deal. Uh, I'm texting at least two or three or five team members a day. I heard yesterday, uh, you guys are about to have a baby. Hey, I'm praying for you. They don't know it. First baby, there'll be flowers in the hospital when they get there tomorrow. I mean, but that's that's fun. I mean, that's what I want, right? When I'm having a baby. I want someone to send my wife flowers and celebrate us. I think we find ways to celebrate people. That might be our biggest distinctive uh, things they do great. We're noticing and we want to celebrate. Look them.
5: for. So we have this phrase we use quite often. You know, when you know someone's story, you can care for them personally. That's exactly. what we say at Chick Fil A yes. yes. all the yep. time. Yep. And it's like. That is so true. When you know somebody's story and the backstory, story, you can actually care for them. Yeah. You can send flowers. You can celebrate birthdays. But what I hear you saying is getting to know the staff mm-hmm. that you have on. Then you can react with very specific things and tangible ways that you can I mean, uh, very
9: early on, you know, chemistry, uh, talking about chemistry on that team over talent. And realizing if we're going to have chemistry, we're going to have to know each other. And if we're going to know each other, we've got to be honest. We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to be encouraging and celebrate, but also give meaningful, compassionate feedback. And that's something that reproduces itself in generation after generation.
0: And doing fun stuff together. I mean, we've always done incredible fun stuff from competitions to trips to what I want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to just a nine to five. I mean, there's times it extends those hours for sure, but it's always been memorable and fun. And we've got Matt and I specifically I have 13 years now of incredible memories of fun experiences, things we've learned. We have a growth learning culture as well. And we're always pushing each other to read more, learn more, listen more.
9: It, yeah. well, it is an absolute strategic value, too, because your clients aren't going to feel the positive energy. They're not going to feel the culture if you view it as just something to check off. If you're not creatively thinking, yeah. what can we do as a team that's actually going to be really fun and engaging? If you're sending a Christmas gift that's you know, promo materials with your brand on it, <laughs> and you, go to, you know, go to what Red Lobster, like, that's great and all. But do something creative, engaging that you know your team is going to go. Wow! I can't believe we get to do this together. Uh, that's great. That's super.
5: Okay, so let's finish with this thought because I, I think it's a, you're at an interesting place really in your business right now because you've kind of transitioned the leadership of Boosterthon to a more of a leadership team mm-hmm. so that you can step away, continue to fuel that entrepreneurial spirit. But that had to be a tough decision as well because you're leaving your baby, you're leaving your passion, and you're handing it over to a group of people. How do you do that and what, uh, what advice would you give to folks that are maybe at a stage of their business where, whether it's small, mid-range, large, where they're beginning to hand over ownership of that or leadership of that, what advice would you give? Well, them? this is an
0: art, not a science. There's no book that tells you the moment to delegate is basically what we're talking about. Sometimes people have read a book on delegation and they delegate way too early when things are fragile. If you're the person that can sell a product that needs five to be sold, then you gotta own it. You need the ball in your hands and go do it. But you also have to be self-aware enough to know your strengths and your weaknesses. I know my strengths. I know my team's strengths. We focus on knowing who each other are. And at any moment I see someone at 75% as good as I am at something, I wanna give it to them then. Not 100%, certainly not 125. When they're 75% as competent as one of my functions of my job, they need to own it then.
5: I can then have a little transition time and the I love the, that. There's a good there's a good principle in that. So what I love about that is like it's not 100%. It's like when they're right about ready at 75%, that's when you kind of physically kind of say, "Okay, it's time to hand this over to you.
0: Give you more responsibility." You will not scale and grow an organization unless you start to build a team of people. You need to find diverse talents that can complement you so you can move more into an area of your strength. But if you do it too early, it's it's fragile and it'll fall apart. Love it.
10: Margaret Mead was an anthropologist. She died in 1978. When she died, she was probably the most famous anthropologist in the world. She said something just before she passed away that I think was prophetic. Um, She said, I believe human history, in human history, we've gone through three eras. And she said, I think we're on the brink of a third era. And I think, Jeff, we're in it right now. Mm -hmm. The very first one was what she called the post-figurative world. And by that, she meant if you're an emerging adult growing up in that world, You figured out post, meaning everybody's figured out ahead of time before you. Uh, Your marriage partner was chosen for you. You know, good luck with that. (laughs) Your job was probably chosen for you. If you're a son, you did what your dad did. If you're a daughter, you did what your mama did. And, you know, you just perpetuated the customs that have been going on for centuries. With the dawn of the Enlightenment and later the Industrial Revolution, she said we moved into a co figurative society, meaning now the emerging adult and the established adult Figure out life together, because mm. reason was king. Right. We hold these truths to be self-evident. She said, I see us now moving into a pre-figurative world where now the emerging adult will figure out life, life faster mm. than we adults. Jeff, I feel that every right. day. And I try to stay up on everything, but uh, I, I often joke, here's an anecdotal illustration of this, if something goes wrong with my iPhone, I give it to my son, Jonathan, who's 25. He <laughs> figures it out in five minutes. And I say, how did you know to do that? And he says, how did you not know? You know, I mean, that's exactly the conversation. So, maybe some that are listening today are young, but just know, the older you get, the more you feel the gap between
4: the intuition and, mm-hmm. and where you live. Yeah. And is that one, I mean, one of the things, one of the many many things I just admire about you is you, you have, you've stayed young. You, you, and that, is that, because you're around, I think so. Yeah, and Some I many don't young always
10: people. feel young, but um, yeah, I think staying around our end user—the mm-hmm. high school student, the college student, the grad student, the young employee—it mm-hmm. um, keeps us fresh, and and we kind of hear what they're thinking. And sometimes it's zany, and sometimes it's exactly what I need to hear mm-hmm. just to stay current. Yeah. So, I really think this listening thing is cannot be overrated. Yeah.
2: Well, that was fantastic content from so many people. Um, obviously I obviously had the privilege of sitting in on a few of those conversations and then listening to others later. Uh, but one of the things that jumped out to me personally right now in this season I'm in, and that was the idea from with Ford Fry saying, hey, you know what? I went back to my old boss. Like literally I had a chance to work with my old boss and have him or her work with me to build the infrastructure for my business. Now, what's so powerful about that idea to me personally is this. He didn't burn bridges. Sometimes I think we, as as launchers, we're when you have that idea and it's so, I mean, it's burning so passionately inside of you. You think I'm never going to go back there. I'm I'm out of here. I have this thing I want to do, and I'm going for it. But the reality is, you don't know what waits ahead of you. You don't know who who you will need later in your journey. And it's very important that we as launchers work as hard as we can to preserve relationships as we move forward. Yes, every relationship will not you know, be that close where they want to work with you later, but you just don't know who you'll need to call on. And I think it's important for all of us to remember that as we go forward to preserve the relationships that we, we develop over time. Another big idea that jumped out to me was what Chris Carneal said about at any moment, If I see someone on my team is 75% as good as I am at something, I want to give it to them then, not when they reach 100% and certainly not when they reach 125%. Man, that is convicting me today. The reality is when you're trying to grow something, you know that there are things you can't get to because you're still holding on to present responsibilities. And we can be saying to ourselves, I don't want to give it away until they're ready. Well, what got you ready? What got you ready was the chance to go do some of it, right? And so the idea of saying, hey, I'm now calling that my 75% rule. If you're 75% ready, you're ready. And I think that could also be said about the beginning of your idea as well. When you think you're 75% ready, you might need to start, right? We say start before you're ready. But what is that time? Maybe that, that's a, a little ringer like, hey, am I, am I 75% ready? And you say, well, Kevin, how do I know that? Ask a friend, ask a mentor, ask your spouse, ask your, you know, ask a colleague. Hey, do you think we're 75% ready on this? Well, let's get this out the door. I was reading a really great article recently on fastcompany.com from uh, from Joel, who Joel is the CEO of Buffer, which is a social media management software. And he was just saying, hey, over my years, I've learned that literally I learn everything best for our organization when we ship ideas and get them out the door. Seth Godin says that uh, your job is not to be creative. Your job is to ship. Your job is to change people's lives with what you're creating. And that's what this podcast hopefully is helping you do every single day. We don't want to become another podcast that just gives you great quotes to drop in meetings or cool things to fill up your notebook It's designed to put enough pressure on you to say you are now 75% ready. We're trying to play our part to get you as close to 75% ready so that you're ready to get out there and make it happen. So what I said at the beginning of this episode before we jumped into all of these fantastic clips, and that was you can share your question with us and we want to answer your question specifically as we move toward our big community Q&A episode coming up soon. So there are three ways to do that. And it starts by you going to launchuniversity.com forward slash question. We have guidelines there. We have some ways you can record or email your question to us. I'll give you the number right now. That's 678-744-7909. That's 678-744-7909. We'd love to have your voice be heard on this podcast as well as hear your, your idea. Now, I get it. You're thinking, Kevin, my idea's not ready yet. I can't share it with the public. Someone might steal it. And I'll be honest, the average person's just not gonna put the work and steal your idea my friend. I, I get the paranoia. We've all been there. And the reality is, Work hard to rephrase your question so that you can leave out maybe some of those details in your idea. But there's a barrier you're dealing with right now, and we want to help you get over it. We want to get you 75% ready. So how does that happen? Go to launchuniversityyouniversity.com forward slash question and leave us the question that you've been wrestling with so we can help you grow your business grow your leadership, launch that project. No more excuses, my friends. We are getting too close to 2019. We want that year to be different for you, but it can start by making tomorrow different for you as well. Okay, and we're gonna close by just saying, please subscribe to the podcast. We wanna help you grow on the go. So please do that by going to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, whatever you like to do to access your podcast, we are there. And um, we wanna make sure we are part of your weekly rhythm As you drive, you work out, you do yard work, carpool lines, wherever you are, we want to help you grow on the go. And we have show notes. So if you heard all these ideas today and said, what what episode was that from? I want to find that. If you go to launchuniversity.com forward slash podcast, you will find all of the episodes there. Okay, that's it plenty of information there for you and uh hey guess what one more one more celebratory victory lap for us over here as we gear for part 3 of our 100th episode celebration thank you thank you thank you for supporting us the past 2 years we hope we hope we hope that we've continued to um be great stewards of your time and um and really friends we want to help be great stewards of your potential so thank you for everything you do Uh, out there to change the world and make it a better place with your ideas and your solutions and we look forward to having you join us next time for part three of our 100th episode celebration here on the Launch University podcast. Thanks for listening
0: to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.